0: welcome back Red Sox nation to another episode of Red Sox rap 360 We got to see Chris Young and Xander Bogarts tear it up on the offense this this week as we took a road trip to San Francisco and Minnesota and we'll talk about it all right here on this week's Red Sox wrap 360.
1: you're tuning into the destination for TV Superfan discussion after Buzz TV And now let the buzz begin
0: Woo. got little dicky on the jams this week paying homage to chris young who's been mashing balls and he's been saving that money too anyways quick recap Uh, We went to San Francisco this week for a two-game series against the Giants and then followed it up with a day off and another three-game series in Minnesota versus the Twins. Pretty successful week for the Red Sox. Uh, We split in San Francisco and won two out of three off the Twins. Uh, However, today we had a little bit of a drought when we needed it the most. Um... You know, we ended up losing today 7-4 in extras on the walk-off. It was a little painful to see, but overall, a very good week for the Sox as the offense keeps on rolling. As you guys might know, I am Ben Fay. You can call me uh, on my Twitter or get at me at my Twitter, at Benny Friggin' Jam. And on the Skype again this
1: week, we've got the one, the only, Mike Conley. What's up, Benny? Frickin' jam. I believe it's frickin' and not friggin'. So let's make sure all those people out in the uh, Twitterverse realize that distinction. Thank you, thank you for calling that out, Mike. I appreciate that. No problem. So, Mike,
0: what'd you think about the Red Sox this week? Won three out of five on a relatively slow week. You know, got a couple days off.
1: Overall thoughts? Give it to me. I got to tell you, Ben, you know, I mean, you can't stick your nose up at a winning week, but you can't help but look back and think that maybe some opportunities got away from the Red Sox. It's nice. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the week that we were going to have a split in San Francisco, I I, would have said I was quite excited, but they they certainly had every opportunity to win that second game there on Wednesday. And it's unfortunate that that got away. As far as the Minnesota series, it seemed like today, on Sunday in the finale of the series, it seems like the Red Sox thought all they had to do was get aboard the team bus and they were going (laughs) to sweep the Twins today. And uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It was kind of really just lackluster right from the beginning. You know, Xander, you know, uncharacteristically, you know, uh, had a couple errors. That second error, even though it did ultimately end up leading to two runs, it was kind of odd where he wouldn't just go the short way to Petey. I mean, I think Psycho Lyons said during the telecast that, uh, you know, Petey wasn't there yet, but he was going to be there before the runner. You know, I just Mm -hmm. don't understand that. Either way, Hanley should probably make that pick, although he's kind of due for uh, missing one of those. But it doesn't really put a blemish on the week that Xander had. And you just hope it's just an aberration. And uh, he refocuses this week and gets back to the, the stellar two-way play we've been accustomed to expect out of him.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that I think at this point he's probably a lock for the all-star team. But, um, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. So let me just knock on some wood or something. I don't know how far up he is, but he was crushing it.
1: Uh, a couple yeah, things you guys mention. hit in 350 so yeah. I mean it's like please put him in you know he's already got more homers than he had last season so yeah. I mean come yeah. on yeah,
0: yeah. So a couple things you mentioned, Mike, that I think were really big themes throughout the week, and probably today as well was a big theme was the errors, um, not only for the Red Sox but on both sides. So today, yeah, um, some key errors for both the for both the Red Sox and the Twins. Uh, Xander making a couple er- uh, errors, as you mentioned, very uncharacteristics. Um, the Twins also made a couple errors too that uh, you know helped keep the Red Sox in the game. Um, also, early on in the week, the Giants uh, had some had some issues with the errors. I think what I'm going to try to relate this back to is how much we appreciate having that stellar fielding in the Boston Red Sox, where we really don't have to worry about errors a lot. Uh, this week, again, mentioned that it was it was a little bit of an issue, but I mean, up until this week, we really haven't talked a lot about uh, the Red Sox and errors, so uh, that's always nice.
1: Yeah, the Twins uh, can't say the same thing. Well, it might have been uncharacteristic for the Red Sox. It was unfortunately characteristic for the Twins this season, as they're having kind of a tough one. That that they are horrible, and you know it's that's why it's so unfortunate that the Red Sox were uh, able to you know let uh, just an opportunity like this slip by the boards. You know, it's just.
0: And the thing was, they weren't meaningless errors. They were errors where they were critical plays during the game, where they were extending innings, where they were putting runs on the board. Um, you know, just uh, you know, errors in all the wrong spots, and, and that can happen. You know, when you get an error like that, it deflates your team, and and sometimes those easy outs just don't come as easy after after one of those errors. So, uh, you know, we'll keep our we'll keep our eyes on that, but I, I don't anticipate that this is going to continue going forward for the Red Sox
1: yeah i mean uh give that kid a lot of credit max kepler you know he he's hit his first um you know uh, career home run it, it, that was kind of odd in the, the late innings there with mookie coming in because they had to preserve the run having five infields around mm-hmm. and it was just like once that kid got in the outfield i was like oh it's done but then it just kept sailing and went over the fence yeah absolutely that's pretty crazy oh and uh, not to also be uh overshadowed is um you know, they got a great start from their starting pitcher. Uh, what was mm-hmm. the. Uh, yeah. Pat Dean. The kid, Pat Dean, from uh, Connecticut native, you know. Yeah, BC. from Naugatuck. You know, I don't know if I've ever
0: told you, but I used to live in Naugatuck. Um, Woo! We got some good baseball jeans there in Naugatuck.
1: I guess None so. that
0: made it to me, but there are some good ones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Pat Dean, you know, uh, the BC alum and uh you know, just a quick shout out to the uh Boston College baseball team. Mm-hmm. They dropped one today in mm-hmm. the rubber match of their series with Miami nine to four but uh you know they uh they had a good season and they they got nothing to uh, hang their heads about so yep. great job Eagles and uh much props to my boy Johnny Adams.
0: there you go giving shout outs to the to the fans and the players of the podcast. It's my buddy's nephew. oh all right there we go
1: yeah.
0: so. One thing that I have to get off my chest. I can't believe I missed this last week. My mom was sure to be the first one to let me know that I missed it. Uh, congratulations to Jackie Bradley Jr. on being a father. We missed it last week. We talked about him winning AL Player of the Month, which was great. Um, but, you know, put things in perspective, uh, that was probably the second news story uh, for him. Um, he talked oh, a little yeah. bit about it over over the weekend uh, or over the week and, you know, said, you know, it really puts things in perspective for him. So, uh, you know, I hope that leads to like more, more hitting streaks. Uh, I mean, you know, if at the very least. But, you know, he's, he's been doing his job. So
1: uh, that's good. Yeah, I him. mean, we might, as Red Sox fans, just, you know, shoot for the Bradleys to have like, you know, a 12 or 14 kid family, you know, over his career <laughs> for the Red Sox. Whatever needs doing. <laughs>
0: absolutely absolutely um I think the other the other big story was Xander Bogarts you mentioned uh continuing to stay hot for the Red Sox he had a huge play uh a huge plate appearance in San Francisco uh with the game tied and he was able to do that little bloop there into center field uh get the two runs in and uh ultimately Red Sox ended up uh getting that game which was great um Man, his hitting's been just really good this year, like you mentioned, 350. Uh, also, now he's—I feel like he's starting to show the power, and it's just really effortless the way that he can get some of those balls into into center field um, off the walls. Just you know, just a seem, seemingly effortless swing from him. So, wow, I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're we're both excited about uh, seeing how Xander progresses through this season. Um, just starting off really hot, and it doesn't seem like he is slowing down at all. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, back to back four hit games, Ben. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think he had two more hits today, and then. Um, his base running play early in the week, on when he went first to third when mm-hmm. no one was covering third, that's a great heads up baseball play. Now, you know, and this this kid is showing maturity beyond his twenty three years. And I'm just happy we didn't you know trade him two or three years ago when every team in the league wanted him. Absolutely. And 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 Mike, I'm not
0: sure if all of our viewers actually saw that play. Uh, just a little bit of a recap of what happened. Essentially, Xander was running to second, um, and it was it was a pretty much a double play ball uh, that got hit to the second baseman. And I think Xander might have saw in the corner of his eye that that second baseman was having trouble uh, fielding that ball and getting it to second base for the start of the double play. And instead of sliding into the base, he actually just <laughs> just straight up rounded it, saw that there was nobody at third, and just kept right on going. So. Uh, ended up sneaking out with no double play and uh, set himself up to to get the the run later in that inning. So just a great heads up play. I'm not sure if I've ever seen something like that. Uh, I mean, Mike, what are your thoughts
1: on that? Yeah, Ben, and I think it, this is kind of what we said. And the reason kind of why it happened is because they were in a shift, you know. Yep. And so it was a case where I believe they had the third baseman flipped over the shortstop. So when the shortstops, you know, came to the bag as he normally would for like say a 463 double play he was the he was the last guy that could possibly get to you know third base to cover or the closest guy so when Xander beat the throw to second he saw nobody was there yep. so he just kept on rounding and running yeah. he was safe at second they threw ahead to first to get the out On Mm -hmm. But because of his heads-up base running, he ends up up on third with less than two outs and then scores on a sack fly by Hanley, I believe, the next batter. So, I mean, it's little things like that that maybe don't show up in the box score. But, you know, we uh, hardcore fans that are watching every day just – like it's jaw dropping every day with this kid, and th- that's like one of the things you, you talk about with like the shift and people don't like it and people don't like. But something you always say about baseball, you have the opportunity to see something you've never seen in this game mm-hmm. every time you tune in. And with the shift now, we're seeing that er- on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, and I don't, I forget who was pitching. Uh, but he was like kind of halfway in no man's land between uh, third base and home plate just kind of watching the play unfold and then probably you know afterwards thinking, oh, who's supposed to be covering third? Oh yeah, that was probably that was probably me that was supposed to do that right? Well, oh yeah, that was
1: him. Oops. That was him.
0: So <laughs> that'll happen. Um, <laughs> so Mike we we let off the show with a little bit of save that money little Dicky. the reason why Chris uh, young baby. Your man, Chris Young, has really started to heat it up this week. Now, let me just do a little bit of a flashback to earlier this season when we were giving uh, old Johnny boy flack for uh, continuing to start Chris Young when he started off really slow this season. Um... Should we maybe go back and think about maybe why they were trying to get Chris Young warmed up? Maybe that John felt that there was a little bit of a soft spot on the Red Sox in left field and said, hey, you know what? This guy might be able to come in at some point this season and make an impact.
1: Well, yeah, I think it was just, um, I think he always believed that uh, Chris Young could uh, play. Um, But the the problem with uh, him was he was brought in kind of as a platoon player, you know, mm-hmm. that because he, he merely mashes lefties. And the Red Sox saw probably three lefties in their first 35 <laughs> games out of the shoot. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why Farrell stuck him in there, uh, you know, versus some righties there where, you know, maybe it wasn't so advantageous for him. But now he's hitting righties. He's yep. hitting lefties. You know, I mean, I can't, I got to eat a little bit of crow because I was saying last week about how I don't really want to see him in there against righties. I'd rather see Roosny of all people. But Chris Young, you know, just shut me up this week. And it just seems like he falls right in line with the way this um, Boston Red Sox lineup is shaping up this week. Real quick through the zone. Quick mm-hmm. hands, mm-hmm. turns on it. You know, he's kind of in that same kind of Bradley, Betts, Bogot's, you know, yep. m- mode, you know. So yeah. I- I'm quite excited. And, you know, we're going to need every bit of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the injuries we've had to swyhot and Holtz, you know. It's good that he saved his his best for this current period of time. So it's great that And you look at, like, I think he's got, like, six home runs maybe on the season, yep. and, like, five of them are versus righties. So his power numbers are coming all right versus righties. He just hits better versus lefties for average. But, like he says, it's it's something I've never really put any thought to. I think I can hit whoever's out there. So. Sure.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think for most of the fans that, you know, are are probably tuning in to see the highlights or, you know, just tuning in uh, every couple of days for the game, they probably do see a lot of the numbers that Chris Young is putting up at the plate. Uh, the things that they might miss are some of the other plays. He had this one crazy sliding catch in left field. I think it was in San Francisco, where he was chasing it down, hit the warning track, went into a slide, and I just had like these terrible flashbacks of when Swihart went for that ball in Fenway, and I thought, oh man, just like just stay healthy. And he did like this really awkward slide while he was catching it, and yeah, just popped right up and you know casually walked off like no big deal, you know. Uh, he's been playing the field well too. I think he really, you know, he works well with with the outfield that we have. We we don't really ask him to do too much, but I mean, shows that he can, you know, make uh, plays when he needs to. The other play that I want to mention is the one where it was that base running play when he dipped under the tag and just barely avoided the tag. Uh, that was a crazy play. Like it, it, and it when I saw the play initially, I. Said, oh man, it, are you sure that he got him? Um, and then they actually went to replay, and it was even closer than it looked in slow mo. It was like literally less than an inch away from tagging him. Um, huge play right there, right? I mean, that's all. That's all you can ask for when you bring guys off the bench like that and kind of put them in those big role positions. Is like, you know, just do anything you can to stay on base and to get on base and to get to the next base. So uh, some good stuff that we're seeing out of Chris Young. Really, awesome. st- I'm really stoked that he's starting to turn things around because, uh, I mean, frankly, you really need him to.
1: And it really it says something a lot about him as a ball player, where, like we said, he wasn't really getting the at bats early in the season to get it going. But the kid stayed ready, you know. He, uh, you know, got his opportunities. Now he's making the most of it, and you know, he wasn't squeaking that whole time, mm-hmm. you know. So he just stayed ready, and now he's getting that. That base running play was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that athleticism to be able to stay in the baseline and dodge that—that that was just an extremely heady play, and you know. The guy probably should have just thrown it to second base and he would have had a double play They would have been out of the inning. But it turns out Young comes around and scores a very pivotal run in that game.
0: Yep, absolutely. So those are the guys that have been hot. Uh, Oh, and Ortiz. Ortiz was hot too. Um, They they did bring Ortiz in into the Giants. And, you know, I was listening to the commentary. Uh, I forget who it was that said it, but they said, look, You know, it is the National League and, you know, we are going to give, you know, Ortiz the the day off um, because, you know, we don't want to put him at first base, but, you know, look, this is the this is probably the best hitter on the team. Like, you need to figure out situations to get him in the game. And they did that, right? They brought him in as a pinch hitter close to the end of the game. Um, and, and I think that's what you need to do. You always need to find situations to get Ortiz in the game. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Any thoughts about that? I mean, definitely the right play to make, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can't really fault me the way. I mean, if you say you stick him in there at first base, okay, you – you're taking a back seat in, uh, you know, defense, but you're also having one of the best hitters in the game in there for four or five at bats. But when you don't play him, it's also nice to have the luxury of, you know, taking uh, one of the best left hitters in the game and just being able to use them wherever you want towards the end of the game. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I really don't feel strongly either way on that. I mean, the guy's hitting whether he's coming off the bench or whether he's starting. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just. Hoping for health, Ben. Just hoping for health.
0: That. I mean, I, I'm hoping for health, too. Um, and just an update. Last week, I mentioned uh, the doubles count. I think last time I checked, he's on track for 71 doubles. Gosh, I don't want to do like a doubles count every week. but yeah. Um, But yeah, he's mashing it this year. I hope that he does it. And also, I told you that the record was like somewhere between 60 and 70 it's 67 doubles and that was like i think it was like 60 something years ago that 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 guy did it. i forget who it was but um yeah he's on an absurd pace right now just want to call that out again um okay so a lot going on in pitching uh we had right up again and he is awesome um man this is so crazy like I feel like every week we talk about, okay, well, like, Wright's still tearing it up. Like, this is a guy that we didn't think was going to be this good. And he just continues to do it. And I think every time we start looking toward the future, we start thinking, you know, is this a guy that realistically we think can hold this pace? And I I think probably for like most people outside of Red Sox, like, you know, Major League Baseball analysts in general will probably say, look, this isn't a guy that is going to keep up this pace, right? He's a knuckleballer, probably going to average, you know, maybe six and six the rest of the season with like a three or four ERA. Uh, I don't know, Mike, what do you think? I mean, I haven't really seen a lot of negatives coming out for
1: any of his starts lately. No, he's been fantastic. And, you know, that is always the, uh, the fear with the knuckleball pitcher is the inconsistency of the pitch you know, you think is going to lead to the inconsistency of the pitcher. And he's been the most consistent pitcher the Red Sox have had this year. So it's just great to see. And it's really kind of, you know, saved the Red Sox bacon in a lot of ways. So you do uh, expect and foresee him at some point this season, you know, having maybe a bad run of starts. Mm -hmm. And you just hope that the other starters in the rotation, you know, figure out their ailments and can pick him up when that does happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that they were talking about uh, on, I think it was during the Minnesota series, was the fact that look, this guy knows situational uh, how to pitch situationally as a knuckleballer. There are going to be some times when you're going to fall b- behind in the count, and you need to throw a fastball on a two-and-zero count or a three-and-zero count. There are times when you'll be when you'll be behind in a 2-1-1 count or a 3-1 count where you're going to have to keep sticking with the knuckleball. And I think that he has a good idea for when he needs to challenge batters based on the potency of the lineup, based on, you know, what's going on in the base running situation behind him. I think that he makes a lot of good decisions like that, and I don't—I feel like it— he doesn't often get into situations where he's given up grand slams or he's given up huge home runs with guys on base, right? He's just really good at managing the situation. So, uh, it's really good to see that. Uh, and it's really fun watching him. I feel like it's just really energizing. You know, he's not like a high heat guy. He's like a different kind of energy. Like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with the knuckleball. You you can never tell. And, and actually, uh, you know, we had Vasquez, uh, catching Steven Wright this week. Um, and I'm sure that was a little bit of an adventure for him, too. Uh, but, yeah, it's just really fun watching him, him pitch the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's really um, – he has a terrific demeanor. Nothing does faze him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just whether things are going good or things are going bad, uh, <laughs> he's just that same kind of level. You know, it's almost yep. like he's channeling the other Stephen Wright you know sometimes <laughs> when he gives these interviews cuz he's just so kind of monotone and you you don't even know if he won the game or lost it mhm mhm yeah so, i love it i love it
0: i love it uh you know who else i love and you know he hasn't really had the great results this week is david price had two uh two losses i think uh this week um
1: a well, little he, unfortunate you know, he deserves them because he was getting wins when he wasn't pitching that well early this year. So <laughs> it's true. even enough. It's <laughs> That's even true.
0: Enough. That's true. But to speak to that, uh, you know, four earned runs over his past 15 innings. Um, you know, normally you'd think he's been pitching pretty well. It's unfortunate that he got the losses. Uh, but, you know, I, the Red Sox just weren't getting giving him any run support. So, I mean, it's unfortunate when that happens. But, you know, at the same time, it's unfortunate that we get the losses. But, I mean, that's got to give you some confidence going into the future to know that, you know, this guy's continuing to march out there and uh, and actually show some improvement. You know, he was he was a little up and down at the beginning of this year. But, you know, I feel like he's starting to turn things around. And, you know, his pitches look great. Um, doesn't seem like he's – Giving up as many hit hard hit balls as he was in the beginning of the year, but um, you know he's showing what he's made of, so that's good. We're gonna need him down the stretch for sure,
1: no question.
0: The other guy that we have uh, Porcillo, he's been a little bit uh, up and down. Um, you know, he had yeah. uh, a, a rough uh, a rough game there. Mike, any thoughts on Porcillo with his you performance know, pa- this so-
1: week? I think that you know um, he hasn't been real flashy. He got off to a really good start and has kind of regressed a little bit. Mm. But I still think, like you know, with the rock and the roller coaster the price was on earlier this season, you have probably have to look at Porcello mm. as our second most consistent starter behind Stephen Wright. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, so I think that while he you know he's not maybe flashy, I, I thought he pitched a really good game today and yeah. uh you know was a victim of some poor defense mm-hmm. and uh but i you know i kind of like what we've gotten from him this year is yeah. it worth 22 million dollars a year i don't know but with the way that pitching contracts are skyrocketing each year by the end of his contract it, it might look pretty good
0: right and and you know to be honest i mean what other what other options do we have right so whether it's 22 million or five million we still need him he's still probably our number three pitcher on the rotation so
1: you know, let's be realistic. Uh, no, I hate it. It's, it's, and that's that's exactly why Trader Dave is definitely going to make a trade before the deadline.
0: <laughs> well, Oof. or is he? Or is he? Uh, you know, I read an article today. It was talking about, you know, who that fifth rotation uh, spot's going to go to. Because like we mentioned last week, that date, June 18th, is circled on the calendar. And it's coming up. Uh, we got about one more week to figure out what the heck's gonna happen uh before that date rolls around I've heard rowenus Elias getting thrown out there he's a guy that we have uh in the minors. I'm not sure which uh which is he on the uh the Paw Sox or
1: he is he is Ben. and actually he's been kind of lights out in four of, four of five of his last thoughts. yeah he's had Five start stretch where he's really been pitching well. He had one clunker in there, but he certainly looks like uh, the leading candidate as of now to to take the next turn as that fifth starter coming up. uh, You know, at the end of this week,
0: right? And I think we did hear some some news about Joe Kelly maybe straining his groin or something on his last start, and then they like uh, maybe give him some extra rest. And so it it doesn't sound like he's ready to make the jump back yet. As our fifth spot, and, and maybe that's for the best, you know. Just kind of figure out what's going on with him and work things out there, and you know, give some of our young guys a, a go at it. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think you know when it comes to the trade deadline, the other news that came out was like, look, our offense is good. We're we feel good where we're at offensively. We got some guys that are a little dinged up, but. Nothing that, uh, you know, an all-star break can't cure and and get us through to the second half of the season with. The big weakness that we have is starting and relief pitching. Red Sox are going to be in the market for both of those areas big time. Um, I think some of the names that we've already thrown out there are definitely still out there. Um, I think Rich Hill is another guy that, you know, the Red Sox could – Come close to uh, putting together a package for Um, Rich Hill. For all you guys who aren't familiar with is really doing well this year. Surprisingly coming uh, on with a strong season out of Oakland. Uh, That's the guy that I'm sure the Red Sox have their eyes on Uh, Mike. Anybody else from around the league that you've heard about uh, that the Red Sox may try to make a run at before the trade deadline.
1: Well, I mean, I think that uh, we're kind of here. Well, I mean, maybe a couple weeks ago, James Shields' name was thrown about, but he's since <laughs> been traded to the White Sox earlier this week. And so that, thankfully, is a name that's off the list. <laughs> you know, but I think the same names you kind of been hearing all out the two names in Oakland, Sonny Gray, because he's yep. a controllable young pitcher that's having kind of a down year. And, you know, Hill and, you know, Red Sox fans that stayed, uh, didn't jump off the wagon last year and watched how Hill finished with the Red Sox last year, Mm got to be kicking themselves that they didn't tenure a a one-year, $6 million deal to try and retain this guy. I mean, the guy's right from right here, homegrown in Milton Mass, and you you don't bring him back. And now Dombrowski's definitely kicking himself because that's one of the guys he'll be in the the market for. And rather than it just cost him dollars, it's going to cost him, Prospects for a rent player now for yeah. the rest of the year. But yeah. it's going to be a seller's market uh, out there with these wild cards, the, the two wild cards now. It's going to be a seller's market kind of every trade deadline. So what scares me is to what the price is going to be if they go after somebody like a Sonny Gray or a kid Fernandez from the Marlins or, you whoa, know, a Tyson whoa. Ross. I, have or you heard Julio about? Tehran.
0: Yeah. You know, is so, he on the
1: market? I
0: don't I haven't heard his name getting tossed around, Fernandez. Because well, if he is, like
1: whoa, whoa. whoa. He's like re- yeah. ridiculous this year. Well, it's going to come up on they're going to have to, you know, sign him to a to a to a deal here coming up to try and uh, keep him in town and mm. it's the the money's going to be big. So they might try and deal him instead of doing that.
0: Yeah. Cuz well. they they
1: already have a 300 million some old contract going with Giancarlo Stanton so it's Mm. like how many 300 million dollar contracts can you have in your team if you're a third place team you know
0: yeah well if you got enough money you can you can do it um and they do have money and they love to spend it uh but yeah I mean let's let's hope that at some point they decide that uh you know a couple highly paid players isn't isn't going to be the way to success for them and And, uh, you know, maybe they'll settle for a couple of our prospects.
1: Oh, speaking of prospects, uh, Ben, Mm. we had our our yearly opportunity this week to stock up with some more of them.
0: Oh, tell me more. The MLB draft, I think
1: you're referring to, which was on Thursday, I believe. I believe it was on Thursday. And I mean, you know, it's not as well known as it's, uh, you know, Step Brothers, the NBA draft and the NFL draft, but... It's a draft, nonetheless, and it's a way to build your team of the future with young, low-price talent. So, oh. obviously, every GM in the league is salivating for when draft time comes. And and the Red Sox got what was, a guy who was on many lists as being the top talent in mm-hmm. the draft. Yep, and Jason Groom, yep. the uh, the high school left-hander, the 6 left-hander um, from uh, New Jersey, and. You know, there's some character issues about him. You know, he was suspended this year uh, from his high school team. But that was kind of a transfer thing. He transferred back from an academy uh, down in Braden Florida. And so, but there are some, you know, red flags on this guy. Obviously, why they regard as a top two talent in this year's draft slips all the way to the Red Sox at number 12.
0: But, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean...
1: It's, it's you got to think it's worth a chance. I mean, I've seen in some circles where some people are comparing him to Clayton Kershaw. So uh, you know, I don't want to get that far ahead of ourselves or or put any undue pressure on the kid. But uh, you know, that's that's heavy praise. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Do not disagree with that move that they made at all to get him. Yeah, I had heard probably one or two overall in the draft, and to get him at twelve was, you know, a great opportunity. Especially for the Red Sox who, you know, really need some pitching in, in our minor league system. You know, they did they did not let down. They kept drafting pitchers right on through the draft. I think they got a couple more day two and a couple more on Saturday. So uh, you know, loading up on pitchers. Um,
1: not, you got to do it by the numbers game, Ben. I mean, yep. the Red Sox track record on homegrown pitches has not really been too good. Right. Like, right. the last one we can really claim is now pitching out of our bullpen. So,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and you know, this the Red Sox do a pretty decent job of drafting. Um, you can look at the class of 2011. Is uh, Tearing it up for the Red Sox this year. So I mean positional players, all positional oh, players. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So
1: um although Anderson Espinosa, we have to be uh you know, thrilled by him. He had uh I believe Friday night he had five school innings down at in Greenville. So
0: oh, there we go. You you were down in Greenville, okay, great. Yeah, see that's that's why you tune in to us because we are out there getting it done. Okay, I'm over covering
1: the whole East Coast, Ben. <laughs>
0: Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to ask you about, I'm not sure if you, if you know this. Um, so he is a high school player. There is a chance that he could go play college ball and re-enter next year's draft. Is that how it works? And then wh- what, is, what happens with the Red Sox then? Do we just give up that that draft pick means nothing? Or, or how does that work?
1: I think they would get a compensation. Compens- Satori pick. Hello. Okay. Which okay. is like a sandwich pick, I believe, at the end of the first round. But I don't think there's any chance of that, that happening. He was originally going to go to Vanderbilt. Okay. But then, like, Vanderbilt, yeah. like, withdrew their offer. Oh, I heard allegedly, about that. Allegedly not for baseball reasons. Oh. So Ooh. that, like, kind of you know, kind of as another red flag on the character. Uh But, you know, I'm just hoping these character flaws, allegedly the kid likes to have fun and all that stuff. I'm hoping I'm chalking it up to, hey, the kid's 18 years old. He's a knucklehead. You know, give them enough time in the minors, three or four years, you know, and get that out of them, you know? And yeah. so, I mean, you can't really, when talent that good slips to you at 12, you you can't really let it pass by. No, no,
0: no, no, definitely not. So, yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar, this is a guy who's throwing high heat uh, as a high schooler uh, with an above average curveball and changeup. So... Um you know he's got his bread and butter pitches pretty much locked in at an early age um, that's he's working a- on, he's working
1: on the change his 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 he throws ninety six and he's got a power curve that's a probably a plus pitch right now mm-hmm. and um you know so I, I I don't think like you were saying well with that Vanderbilt withdrawing his offer he was gonna go to like a a, a junior college okay. so I think with being and that was probably gonna be like if he slipped out of the first round going twelfth overall uh, I'm quite confident that he's gonna want to deal with the Red Sox. Although I have heard another reason was a red flag is he may be looking for a lot of bonus money. Somewhere that, in like that's what the I 6 heard, million yeah. range. Yeah. Oof, wow. So and where the Red Sox I believe is strictly allotted in that due to the collective bargaining. And I think you have something like six point seven million mm-hmm. to to use for bonuses for any picks you get in the top ten rounds. Okay. So yeah. I don't see him getting six six million. I yeah, I had heard
0: some something around the range of like three million was what he was expected to uh to end up getting. But um we'll see. I mean I guess it depends on, you know, how badly the, the stocks really want him and if he's willing to, you know, roll the dice and wait another year, right? Um, I don't know. I think I think <coughs> he'll probably end up signing for whatever they give him. Um I mean let's hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It is a Boris.
1: He is not Boris, so yeah.
0: So uh Mike, we have a couple series at home here now. Uh, we got three games against the Orioles starting on Tuesday and then three against the Mariners. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens this week. Those are two tough teams. Uh, we've gone against the Orioles a couple times this year and uh, they seem to play us really well. Um, the Seattle Mariners are doing pretty good this year as well, so we'll get a chance to to see them as well. Uh, any things that
1: you're looking for, Mike, in the upcoming homestand? Well, you know it would be like to, you know, uh, when you have series at home, you got to win the series at home. So two, three game sets, we got to take two out of three of both of these, mm-hmm. you know, and especially Baltimore being a division foe. Uh, the Mariners started out real hot, and uh, they're sliding back a little bit to reality. So we could be getting them at the right time. So, Let's 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 sweep them. Let's take five out of six this week, Ben.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're gonna march David Price out there for uh, for Tuesday against Chris Tillman. So that will be quite the matchup of uh, of pitching there. Um, let's hope that uh, David Price can pitch well and get the win. Um, you know, call me crazy, right? Uh, let's hope that that happens. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Chris Tillman's no joke this year either. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah, we
1: got our boy Steven Wright going uh, going the next night. So uh, we got to be looking good there. And then Erod, hopefully we can get him going good. You know, I think that you got to be patient with Erod. because yeah. He's still, he had that extended spring training. Mm-hmm. You know, let's give him two or three, four more, even four more starts before we start. You know, really calling upon this guy to be the the pitcher and potential number two starter we thought he was going to be this year.
0: Yeah, and I think you're probably referring to his start this week where, um, you know, the first couple innings he played really well and, and showed pretty good command of his pitches uh, and then kind of fell apart, uh, you know, going into the fourth and fifth inning. So. Yeah, you're right. Um, You know, probably a little bit of conditioning work that uh, still needs to take place there. And that's fine. Like, look, this is a young guy anyways, so let's give him time. Uh, I think that he is going to find a role in this starting lineup. Um, He's definitely got the skills, so uh, let's just make sure that he, you know, gets the experience that he needs uh, in order to help us down the line.
1: Yeah, and an, an interesting trend to keep a uh, look at, Ben, and for the folks that are tuning in, is his uh, day and night splits. He seems to uh, be lights out when he pitches at night. He's got an ERA sub two, and like his oh. ERA in day games is is somewhere in the sevens. So it's kind of interesting. Huh? Uh, a- any
0: particular reason why you would see something like that from a pitcher? Um, I mean, is it is it more or less to do with you know, playing under the lights, or maybe they just, you know, their their internal clock is better suited to play at night or
1: in the morning or anything
0: like that, or have we heard really anything about that? I really
1: can't put my finger on it, Ben, because, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a bucks a trend, because I, I would say eight out of every ten hitters you talk to would rather hit at night than in the day.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, it's kind of kind of shocking to me that he has the exact reverse effect, but... Uh, You know, hopefully it isn't something that continues his whole career and uh, he can rectify it and, you know, pitch in day games, night games, lunar eclipses, whatever happens to be the case. And, you know, because we're going to need him.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I think we're coming up to the top of the hour. So, Mike, I'm going to thank you for joining us for another Red Sox Rap 360. Are you going to be in the studio next
1: week, or you have one more week of vacay? I am one more week of vacay. I'm going to try and get down to the friendly conference of Fenway this week and oh, get us some, uh, you know.
0: I'm going to have to hook you up with my with my boy Duffy, who's probably listening right now, uh, Red Sox fan of the year. Shout out to Duffy. Um, most tough. He's going to hook I you also, up. I uh,
1: also, sorry, Ben, I want to give props. I, I think your mom set us up on the, uh, on the YouTube page. And there was also another guy uh that was he said he likes swy Hart better than vasquez okay and i was thinking maybe that's something for us next week because i know you're kind of a swy Hart guy Uh-oh. and i'm a vasquez guy so maybe we'll argue that next week
0: good idea yeah and you know we did see him on the all-star ballot i think he's like fifth for catchers i don't even know how that's possible he was only like third on the red sox alone uh, yeah, great great idea for next week. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Betsy frickin' Faye is going to be super psyched that you gave her a shout-out during the show. Uh, thank you, Mike. We'll see you again next week. Appreciate it, Ben. Go Sox! Yeah. So, folks, a uh, couple loose ends that I want to wrap up before we wrap up today. Um, the... Travis Shaw is slumping a little bit um We're gonna hope that he turns it around this week I think he was like uh one for 15 over this past uh this past week so looking for big things to come from Travis Shaw this week and uh yeah other than that I think we're gonna be looking forward to the week to come and I forget how we end up do, do they do they play me out to little Dicky again? <laughs> or they play me out to AfterBuzz. I don't know. I Steve, st- we got Steve on the ones and twos back him? there. Um, he's gonna, he's gonna tell me what to do. I think. Oh, he's gonna play me out. He's gonna play me out. Okay, thank you, Steve. Uh, oh yeah, and then one more thing. I want to give a shout out to uh, Betsy freaking Fay for you know watching my show, and uh, she's been forwarding it to all the other uh, Red Sox fans over in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So we got, we got fans all over the place. I want to hear in the comments, Red Sox Nation, where you guys are tuning in from. Uh, maybe we got some fans in Alaska, maybe some fans in SoCal, uh, Texas, Florida. I have no idea. Leave it in the comments. Let us know, and then uh, we'll talk about it next week on our Red Sox Wrap 360. Peace out, y'all. From executive producers Maria Manunos, um, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, yeah, and hot the hot entire AfterBuzz TV uh, staff, yo, we, we would like. like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch
1: or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV.
0: Buzz you later, Red Sox Nation. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.